Welcome into the first episode of a sports podcast that captures everything you want to know as the buzzer sounds at the end of any sports game. It's Will Farlow here with you this evening, welcoming listeners to the debut of Will's fifth quarter special. I'm joined by my guest and co-host this evening, Brian Farlow. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you. For the next 30 minutes, we'll be touching on Illinois State sports, especially in the men's and women's basketball areas as both teams are getting set for their conference play in the winter season as well as answering the big questions in Chicago sports. Will the Bears replace John Fox at the end of the year and possibly find a top receiver in the next draft? Will the White Sox keep building their farm system and target Manny Machado, whether it's trade or upcoming for agency? Will the Cubs secure a signing of Yu Darvish after they just met with him and be able to survive without Jake Arrieta in their pitching staff? We will find the answers to all these questions coming up. We will also finish this segment with the fun atmosphere of comparing a fan's favorite sports movie moment to actual sports, as we will both do so as well this evening in Will's Sports Movie Moment. Those of you that are listening right now, check out the podcast Facebook page and post your favorite sports movie moment towards the end of the segment when we do so as well. So going into it first, we will touch on Illinois State College Sports. Volleyball just finishing up a stellar season in fall, respectively, as well as the football team. Now it's basketball time around ISU, Brian. And the men's team, they just won last night over UIC 71-70 and a stellar Ole Miss victory in Oxford, Mississippi this past Saturday, 101-97 in overtime. And we remembered, I think you're watching that one with me last year as well, Dan Muller was going to Twitter just asking for tough, tougher matchups for this Redbird team. We saw get 28 wins last year, and we're seeing this Redbird team under Dan Muller continue to face a tough start this season. So how did the wins over Ole Miss and UIC last night help them moving forward? How does it help this team? Well, it's non-conference victories, and the Missouri Valley is a very competitive league this year, even though Wichita State is no longer in the conference. They'll be competitive, and they'll have some momentum following those victories. They have a lot of confidence, and though they're a young team, they're gaining a lot of valuable experience against quality opponents. So I think... Those victories against UIC and Ole Miss will help them in their conference and help them to stay the course and keep winning and hopefully make it either to the NIT or else to the NCAA. As Brian mentioned, the Redbirds are featuring a newer cultured squad this season as they lost five of their top eight players last season, whether it be to two grad transfers, DJ Clayton, Deontay Hawkins and Mikhail McIntosh going their respective ways. Mikhail going to Oregon this season. And Deontay Hawkins, who joined Boston College, is out this season with a leg injury. So the Redbirds, Brian, we just talked about it. They are gearing up for conference play in the Missouri Valley this season. I think we were touching on it before the show here. Valparaiso is a very interesting team this year, and they were talking about it during the game last night at Redbird Arena. I mean, the Redbirds are sitting 5-6 and six below in Missouri Valley Conference standings. Of course, it's only non-conference play, respectively, but teams like Valpo, it's first year in the Missouri Valley, Loyola, Missouri State, they're playing impressively well top of the conference right now. Just, I mean, we're seeing Loyola take down number five just a few weeks ago, Florida. So, I mean, a lot of these teams in Missouri Valley, the way they're saying it, 
are going to have a lot of tough competition going into conference play, and the Redbirds are gearing up this coming Saturday, December 23rd, right before the Christmas holidays, in Evansville, Indiana, to face the Evansville Purple Aces on the road. So that'll be their first conference play action on the road, and they will open home conference play December 31st against Indiana State. I have to ask you here, Brian, Going into the matchup against Evansville, what do you feel we can expect the Rebels to do this season in conference play? Well, if I remember correctly, last year they had a tough matchup against Evansville and they were able to overcome. They took an early lead and they let it slip away, which happened quite a bit last year. The key to this team in conference play, even against teams like Loyola, even against teams like Evansville, will be their defense. Dan Mueller preaches defense, and also they need to improve on their free throws. Yesterday against UIC, they were lucky to get away with the victory because they missed quite a few free throws. I think if they keep working on their defense, the points will come, and I think they should do well in conference. It'll be competitive because there's a lot of competition out there now, and I think it should be a fun and interesting season in conference to watch them battle against some good teams. As Brian mentioned, Illinois State will be opening road conference play against the Evansville Purple Aces, who played quite well against the Redbirds last year at Redbird Arena. They will open home conference play on Doug Collins Court after the Christmas holidays on New Year's Eve to end their 2017 start and hopefully a positive sign to open 2018. So now heading to women's basketball. The Redbird women's basketball team just won 59-51 over the 49ers. We're seeing a women's team, and we were talking about it as well before the show. They are what we call a rebuild, as you would call it in sports. So they are featuring a lot of young players, but also a new head coach in Kristen Gillespie. And we see her come from a Division II school to Illinois State and the Horizon League, a whole new territory for her. And she's just went with it in the right way. And I think one of the key players, and there's a lot of players up the line, you have Megan Talbot and Hannah Green and Millie Stevens off the bench holding that Redbird front court together. You have Raya Livingston, who's filling in well for Simone Goods. But I have to tell you here, I think one of the standout players for this Redbird women's team is Paige Saylor. I mean, they were talking about it with how Kristen Gillespie was recruiting her players. She has turned out to be one of the standout recruits for the Birds this season. She's a great floor general. When you have a rebuilding squad. I mean, we saw it with Paris Lee on the men's team. He's able to, as we talk about, floor general. That's a key component in a point guard. She doesn't get the points that the Redbirds might be looking for from her night and night consistently, but she's able to run the floor well. So they lost to Cleveland State just a few days ago. So how can this team that's continuing to rebuild under a new head coach continue to play in the right direction? Well, if they continue to listen to their new head coach, if they continue to work at practice and work on their skills and stay together with the fundamentals, keep their defense sound, not worry about threes, get inside, get the ball to their their big girls in the middle, and try to get points that way. Keep defense going, keep the other team scoring, and they'll keep them in the games. And as long as they maintain that sort of balance between the offense and the defense, they will stay in the games and then hopefully have the chance to pull it out at the end. 
And the Redbird women's team, as we're looking here, just did that in action this evening. A 5 p.m. tip-off they had against Long Beach State 49ers in Long Beach, California. They are in the Beach Classic during this holiday season as they prepare as well like the men's team. They will also open MVC Conference Play at home on December 31st at 11 a.m., a very early tip-off there for the Battle of I-74 against Bradley on Doug Cowan's court. That tip-off for the women's game will be at 11 a.m., Heading into professional sports, we will start with the Chicago Bears, who heading into NFL action in Week 16. They are facing a Cleveland Browns squad that is looking for its first victory of the year. The Chicago Bears have had their share of injuries, plaguing them again this season, and they're featuring a rookie quarterback, a more polished defense under Vic Fangio. He's seen a lot of his players contributing well to this team. I think the secondary, we've wanted to see the Bears improve that for a number of years. They've done just that. Amos, Eddie Jackson out of Alabama, who was a fourth-round pick. Could have been a first-round pick, but he's overcome his injuries from college and just played well. And I think this Bears team, one of the biggest holes right now, improve that O-line. And I think it's going to be with the head coach, and we're going to touch on that here first. John Fox, three to four years ago, nobody expected him to leave the Denver Broncos as they fired him just a few years ago, and the Bears just jumped on it. You could tell Ryan Pace as a new GM was trying to get his feet wet with his new team, trying to get them in the right direction. This was a Bears team looking to rebuild in the right direction. They still were dealing with how Jay Cutler could try and fit in moving forward. He's been here for no, he was there for a number of years. His time is done now. They have a new quarterback on Mitchell Trubisky, who they traded up for. And Brian, John Fox has had his bad and good in the last few years he's been on the Bears, especially this year. We've seen a lot of calls he's made that may have not worked for the Bears, how he's handling Mitch Trubisky's transition from Mike Glennon earlier this season, the decimated wide receiver injuries as we saw Redbird Cam Meredith go out early in the preseason. So going into a Browns matchup on the road against Cleveland, a team that's looking for a victory, they're going to have two possibly of the top 10 first round draft picks. The Bears trying to get a good draft pick as well to hopefully improve. How can John Fox try and save himself? How can he try and save his job and prevent himself from being fired once again? Well, I don't think he can save himself. I think the writing's on the wall. I think eventually, as soon as the season ends, they're keeping him on till the end of the year just for consistency to see how Mitchell Trubisky and some of the young players can improve. There's no need to change coaches right now because the season's almost over. I think they've pretty much already decided that he's no longer going to be the coach because he hasn't done very well. Despite the injuries, he's made some poor choices, and coaches are usually the first ones to go on losing teams. You won't fire players, but you'll fire coaches. And he's had some losing seasons. I believe he's becoming the losingest head coach in Bears history. So I think this will be his last year. So I don't think he can save his job. And the Chicago Bears, as we mentioned, they're looking to try and see how Mitchell Trubisky continues to fit into this Bears team. And they're going to be targeting a lot of different players in the draft. But just finishing up here with John Fox, there's a lot of reports out there. And I think a lot of fans have just taken to social media, to the uh, local Bears shows. Will Jim Harbaugh leave Michigan? I mean, it's going to be very rare for him to do that. He has a very solid program over there in Ann Arbor. But a lot of Bears fans, they want a better answer at head coach. So could maybe for, say, Jim Harbaugh be the answer, or just recently, former head coach of the St. Louis Rams now in L.A., Jeff Fisher, is reaching out to try and coach the Bears. He's interested in the coaching position. So right there, there's already a few pieces. So, Brian, what are you thinking they could do? Let's say John Fox gets fired at the end of the year. If they're looking for a head coach, what direction should they go, and which 
person would you like them to hire for the Bears? Well, I think they're going to stay away from the veteran coaches. John Fox was a veteran coach. It didn't work. So I think they're going to try to promote either Vic Fangio, the defensive coordinator, if he wants it, or else they will go after a offensive guru, an offensive coordinator to help formulate a good offense that Mitchell Trubisky can grow in into a superior NFL quarterback. And the team's young, so I think think uh, Ryan Pace is probably going to go with a offensive coordinator, a rising star, and hope that that can make the team better and help solidify the team along with the, the good defense with a good offense. So you just talked about it. Some of the key players that have stood out in this young Bears team that's rebuilt. Name one player that stands out to you offensively besides Mitchell Trubisky. Maybe it be receiving or O-line, running game. And what defensive player has stood out to you as well? Which player on each side of the ball has stood out for the Bears? that could help them moving forward? Well, I think Akeem Hicks is probably an integral part, kind of like the life of the defense. Provides a lot of enthusiasm, so I think he's a key. And also, I think Howard, as long as he stays healthy and he's a workhorse on offense, he will help Trubisky in the future, as long as they get a coordinator that can utilize his skills so that you can have a running game, a consistent running game, and allow play-action pass, which will help Trubisky with his accuracy and that's basically how successful teams like New England and Atlanta and how teams like that use their running game. So I think Howard and Akeem Hicks, those are two keys. And just touching on it right there, that opens a big wound to just the fans and the listeners here with us this evening that the Chicago Bears need receiving. I mean, Cam Meredith is going to be a big piece moving forward. Kevin White, that's still a big question mark. They're saying he could still be a top receiver, but he's been too injury prone. Calvin Ridley has been mentioned with the Bears in a lot of not just mock drafts, but Ryan Pace. We've heard him go to the Michigan matchup against Ohio State and some of these other top-ranked teams facing off. They feature very stellar receiving cores, and Alabama's always been in the headlines to have top players go high in the draft, where the Bears will probably be as they're projected right now within the top seven, top eight picks right now where they're standing in their current record of four and ten heading into this 16. So, a standout player they've been connected to is receiver Calvin Ridley. Now, he's a very good red zone threat. He's able to catch the ball well, able to hold it the way the, the, the Bears personnel and Ryan Pace will look to try and have a better receiver to hold the ball. You know, Cam Merritt's able to do that, but some of the receivers have had recent drops that haven't helped in the matchups when they need it in game-time situations. So, Calvin Ridley's there for the Chicago Bears at first round. Now, I know they might need O-line help, but they still have good picks spaced out in the draft. So, if you have Calvin Ridley on the board at, say, the sixth overall pick where the Bears are. Clock starts. You're Ryan Pace. Do you pick Calvin Ridley from Alabama to help the Bears' wide receiver troubles? I believe they have more trouble than just receiving. I think there's probably other quality receivers in the second and third round. I would trade down, get more picks to sure up your offensive line, to sure up your defensive line, your backfield, your defensive backs, and pick up a couple wide receivers. You don't need the the superstar. We tried that with Kevin White, and that didn't work out. First-round receivers are rare to pan out. Sometimes you'll get a second, third, fourth-round wide receiver that 
that's solid that can play with you for 10 years and can still catch the ball and get touchdown. That's the key. The Bears will look to continue that key as the Bears will face off Christmas Eve at noon in Cleveland. They will face off against the winless Cleveland Browns, who will look for their first victory. December 24th, week 16 this weekend in the NFL. Season's winding down. The Bears will try and look to find their identity again this season and hope we get a good draft spot. Now heading into baseball, the Chicago White Sox have been in the headlines recently. They've built a stellar team in this rebuild. You know, Rick Hahn talked about it. It was going to take a few years like we saw with the Chicago Cubs. But Brian, the White Sox just stepped it up last year. We saw a lot of key players like Chris Sale and Adam Eaton going to Boston and Washington, bringing in guys like Giolito, Kopech, Moncada, a lot of standout players. But they're just continuing to add to that. And we have a big draft coming up in the MLB. There's going to be a lot of top, top talent available in this draft. And if you're Rick Hahn, you're looking for just that. You're looking to continue to build on that. He's focusing on long term. We've seen that in a lot of Chicago sports rebuilds right now. We're seeing it with the Bears. We're seeing it with the White Sox. And the Cubs did just that. So Manny Machado. That's a big surprise the last week or two. He's a star third baseman for the Baltimore Orioles. Has one year left coming into this season. This free agent class coming up after this offseason, the following offseason, is going to feature Clayton Kershaw, Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Andrew McCutcheon, a lot of star, star players that are going to maybe get $400, $500 million. We don't know where that's going to go, where that trend's going to continue. But Manny Machado has been connected to the White Sox, the Diamondbacks, and now the Cubs in trade rumors. But it seems like there's a port out just this morning that the Baltimore Orioles might pull him off the trade block. They're probably not seeing the deals they're looking for. They said the White Sox were in there, but how can the Sox look to continue and improve this rebuild and maybe not make a big move like that that could break it? Well, I think they should stay the course. They've made a plan, and they've made some moves. They've gotten rid of a lot of expensive free agents and trades, got a lot off their books, and they're all in on the youth movement. And they do have some players on the Major League roster right now, but I think the veterans are there basically to to fill the holes until the young guys are ready to come up. I think this Manny Machado thing was just a ploy by the agent to try to get a deal done. Looks like Baltimore, who likes to pull back at the 11th hour in trades, they decided to keep him. Should have traded him last year when he was more valuable and they could have got more for him. But I think they should just stay the course. Keep with the youth movement, keep developing your young players, teach them the fundamentals, teach them the right way, teach them to play as a group, and then when they're ready to come up to the major leagues, they'll be familiar with each other, they'll have camaraderie, they'll have team spirit, and they'll learn how to win in the minor leagues, which means and translates to victories in the major leagues. So I think they should just stay the course. Days of buying victories with free agents and hoping that spending big money and throwing big money out at big names is a thing of the past. Now, what happens next year? I doubt if they'll spend $400 million for a Bryce Harper or $200 million for a Manny Machado. But you can spend $100 million for a quality young pitcher that could solidify your pitching staff. Or a first baseman so you can move a Abreu to DH. There are a lot of moves that they can move make next year. I think this year will be another case of just watching the young guys play, the veterans play, and just try to develop. And the Cubs, we're going to touch on them now. The White Sox are trying to do what the Cubs started four years ago. The Cubs, after a 
eight years, we're able to get a World Series championship to the city of Chicago and the north side for their fans and a team that was just hunger to win. And we're seeing the Sox hopefully being able to do that. But the Cubs right now are in the headlines with a top free agent as well. Not a Manny Machado, but it is Yu Darvish who we saw featured in the Los Angeles Dodgers World Series matchup against the now champions, Houston Astros. They won their first championship in their franchise history. But Yu Darvish, he, when we saw him come over to the state, he played phenomenally well earlier on in his career for a good few years with the Texas Rangers, going to the LA Dodgers in a trade that sent Willie Calhoun, fourth top five prospect in baseball, to the Texas Rangers. Yu Darvish just met with the Cubs a few days ago, and we've talked about it, especially before the show here and in the baseball offseason Chicago Cubs need to improve their pitching. They drafted a lot of good young pitchers, but this team's in a win-now type window with these young players they feature in this offense that features Schwarber, Bryant, and so forth. If you Darvish signs with the Cubs and Theo Epstein sells him on, you know, we're getting pitchers right now. I mean, they just signed players like Tyler Chatwood, relievers Brandon Morrow, Steven Ciszek, and Drew Smiley. If they could add a you Darvish, how could the Cubs look to improve their pitching moving forward if they get a you Darvish? Well, you Darvish is a quality pitcher. He'll give him quality innings. He's a proven winner, and he is not young. He did have Tommy John surgery a year or two ago, so you have to worry about that, the chance of injury again. You know, starting pitching is important thing that failed them last year was their bullpen. Their bullpen fell apart and they need to worry about maybe one or two starting pitchers but uh, I would worry more about their bullpen. They're trying to sure it up. They've signed some free agents. I think they put their faith in a couple guys last year that just didn't come through. And then if the bats come alive, which they were silent for the most part during the playoffs, it can hide a lot of bad pitching. It can hide a lot of bullpen errors. You know, if you score 10 runs, chances are you're going to win. But, you know, they did pick up Brandon Moreau, who was a big pickup. Steve Seacheck. You know, we'll see what they can do. Losing Wade Davis, they probably should have re-signed him. But we'll see what they can do. The Chicago Cubs and the White Sox in their MLB offseason as other teams continue to fight for players, putting the right price, hopefully, for the right free agent to improve their squad. Now going into the new fabled segment, it's Will Sports Movie Moment. We all have our favorite moments, not just in the sports we watch, but in our own favorite sports movies. This segment will give myself and my guest co-host, as well as the listeners, a chance to pick their favorite moment from their favorite sports movie and try to compare it to modern day sports. Listeners that are hearing it right now can now hop onto our podcast Facebook page and post in the forum their own sports movie moment favorites. I will start, and then we will go to you, Brian. Mine has to be tied into with Illinois State men's and women's basketball. It's a movie that came out in 2006 with Walt Disney. It was Glory Road. It's a story about, you know, the civil rights movement and a team in Texas, a commuter school. They were finding their identity like both the men's and women's teams are right now. The men's team has a little bit more of a foundation, but they're still trying to find their own ways before the conference play. You know, they're a non-conference trying to find their identity. The women's team rebuilding. But there's a line. They're facing Kentucky. There's a timeout with two minutes left. Texas Western was getting ready to possibly pull off the greatest upset in sports history. And the key line that coach Don Haskins told his players 
is they're not gonna give this to us. They've been here before. So we have to go out there and take it. And you could tell just from that scene, the players are amped up, they're ready, they're yelling, we gotta take this, we gotta take this. And they go out there and pull off the greatest upset in sports history. Now I think that scene from that movie highlights with the Redbird men's and women's basketball where they're headed right now, what they need to focus on and continue to do confidently. We've seen that with Redbird sports featured. These coaches will amp up their players and do just that. Now I will turn it to you. Tell us your favorite sports movie moment. Well, one of my favorite sports movie moments is a movie that I told you about the other day, Bull Durham. It's a funny movie. It's a team movie. It's an individual movie with Kevin Costner, and there's some off-the-field antics that go on with Susan Sarandon. But young players, young future prospects, old veteran players, and it's a fun baseball movie. There's a lot of funny lines. There's a lot of funny moments, and it's very, very... Very enjoyable if you're a baseball fan and if you especially a baseball fan that cheers for a minor league team like 50% of America does they don't don't have major league teams in their towns so a lot of towns rely on the minor league systems so Bull Durham well the funny part of the movie that I liked the best was when Kevin Costner is waved off as a catcher his sign was waved off by the pitcher and he decides well I'm just gonna tell the batter what the pitch is going to be and he does and batter hits the ball out of the ballpark he goes to the mound and he talks to the pitcher and the pitcher realizes he told him what i was going to throw didn't you and kevin costner says yeah i did boy did you see it get out of here that fast it's kind of funny and just a little bit of veteran rookie humor laughing so, right over here so that's yeah. definitely two movies to check out for the listeners here that's all the time we have in the first ever episode of will's fifth quarter special Tune in next week for more college sports talk as our own Alex Dolinar from Lansing, Illinois will be joining me next week to compare University of Illinois basketball and Illinois State as they are both in the central Illinois area in their respective conferences. Continue to reach out to us on our Will's 5th Quarter Special Facebook page and on our website, contact me page at williamdfarlow.weebly.com. I want to thank our guest, Brian Farrell, for joining me in what was a fun 30 minutes in talking sports, so thank you, Brian. You're welcome. When the fourth quarter buzzer sounds, turn to us for your fifth quarter sports talk. I'm your host, Will Farrell, and my guest host, Brian Farrell, will say happy Christmas holidays to you and your families this upcoming week. So long from Will's fifth quarter special.